she somebody gonna shake the door to get her out today praise our lord praise our lord <laughs> amen she's probably taking care of gaddy but anyway today we're going to talk about this faith that was delivered to us this faith that was delivered to us <clears throat> i was uh, meditating on that for a couple of days and uh, the lord was uh, telling me how precious our faith is and the great price that has been paid for this faith down through the ages to be delivered to us and and uh, focusing on that word what it means to have something delivered to you and uh, how precious it was to God to allow us to be able to receive this faith and also to use this faith the faith that we received has has been tried it's been tried through every kind of difficulty it's been tried through every kind of warfare it's been tried through every kind of rejection every kind of false accusation every lie every deceit every trick every uh, thievery uh, this faith has withstood and uh, uh, come forth victorious so this ain't cheap baby you know what i'm saying this 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 is it's worth it you know i, I i'm hoping and my prayer is that you will see how valuable your faith is and how valuable you must be to God for him to have gone through all of this to give you this faith. We can live by this faith as justified people. And, and it's so easy to live by faith. Uh, it, it's really not hard at all. I, I think we complicate it sometimes. Yeah, I remember when I was first saved, I, I <clears throat> found something very simple that if you had a need and you cried out to god he met that need and you know then we start getting wise you know we get a little scripture we get a little teaching we go to a few conferences or something like that and then we complicate everything and and i think it's good to understand that that the bible says even the simple person can be wise because of the entrance of the word into their their spirit it gives light and it gives understanding even to simple people. How do you think your parents made it here from the south and raised you and, and got generations of, you know, they knew to cry out to God. Some didn't even know how to read and some didn't know what was in that Bible. But they somehow got something of God in them and they held on to it. And that was this faith. And how precious it is and how uh, precious it is to believe God and what delight God has in us when we do put our faith and our confidence in him. And so this faith that was delivered uh, to us uh, is something that we need to understand is foolproof from God. It will stand up. It won't fail us. It will bring us through any difficulty that or challenge that we have down here on earth. It, it's a miraculous kind of faith. So in Jude, uh, there's only one chapter of Jude. This is verse 3. He says here, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. All right. So there's a salvation he is saying that all saints have in common. You're not saved different from somebody else you don't have a special salvation i know salvation makes us feel special but we have the same savior we have the same salvation you know god is just so so loving and kind he's able to personalize it to each and every individual so you feel like you got something different than she got or something but we have a common salvation because we have one savior and there's only one savior of all mankind 
you know, if you tell the Muslim that, he, he would be enlightened. May not want to hear it, but he has some news. He'd have something to talk about for a change. And so he says here, the common salvation. He said, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you. That word exhort really means to say it in a firm way. In a way that uh, would, would try and spur somebody to action. When you exhort somebody, you're a little more intense about what you're saying. You, you say it with an a, a urgency within you. And, and this is important, you know, kind of emphasize it uh, to stir people up to obey what you're saying. He says, and exhort you that you should earnestly contend. I mean, with all your heart, with everything that's in you, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. To earnestly contend for it. So there, that lets you know that there's something about this faith that we have that somehow it brings some warfare or it brings some negative uh, effect with it when it's exercised. It brings some degree of contention with it so that you have to contend back to hold on to it. See, once you decide to to step out in faith, and we use that saying because there's believing and there's believing. So we can all believe God is a miracle worker when we don't need one. But when you need one and you start to step out in there, there's something that meets you that says you can't have it. So that's what he means to earnestly contend for it. Put your whole self into it. Not just kind of talk back to a, a devil stock. You understand what I'm saying? He means earnestly contend. Contend for it like it's worth something. Contend for it and fight back when your faith is challenged. He's not talking about fighting people. You know, that's we're we're wrestling against principalities and powers. You know, when you set out to believe God, the first thing is going to happen to you is something's going to hit you back and tell you you can't have that or who you think you are. Or sometimes your words when you pray, sometimes your words might seem like they're just hanging out there and not going anywhere. There's an atmosphere that fights you to to get settled on the inside. See, what you need is you don't need to, to get your, your prayer past the ceiling. You need to get your prayer to settle you on the inside that God heard it, see. And the atmosphere surrounding us sometimes is fighting us for us to get settled, to hang on to it, to contend with it. And so when you contend, you fight atmospheres, you fight powers, you fight old mindsets within yourself, you fight old habits that you might have, old patterns of thinking. So your faith has to make it past all of these barriers in order for you to be settled and established and understand that God really does love you and he's going to do this for you. Amen. And so that's what he means to earnestly contend for this faith which was once delivered to the saints because this faith is valuable. See, anything worth fighting over is valuable. Huh? If it's valuable, it's worth fighting over. 
you know we all want the you know the knight in shining armor so to speak kind of situation where uh <clears throat> the the uh the handsome prince comes and rescues you from the old dragon or something like that well that's a true story that came out of the book of revelation that's why it's been told <laughs> that's why it's been told in so many different languages and so many different cultures throughout the ages because it really was a situation of of a, a, a prince that that rules the world, uh, feeling you're valuable enough to kill anything that stands in its way. You know, my late husband was was uh, very funny. You know, he now this is something he said. You know, with with men, men are funny with the way they operate with grown men. You know, they kind of keep a respectful distance from one another and, and so forth and so on. But we were in a church many years ago before before I was saved. And there was a, a little boy that uh, kind of had a crush on me. You know how little boys crush on grown women, you know. And every every man that had a crush on me was like, yay tall. You know, it's always the short ones that, you know, want to baby, baby, you know, but whatever. And so... uh my husband, we were leaving church one day, and the little boy was just running, Miss Barbara, Miss Barbara, Miss Barbara. And my husband looked at him, he said, Miss Barbara. I said, please, he's just a little boy. I'm not going to tell you what he said, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, you know, there is that contention when there's something that you think is valuable. You know, if you you think your wife is valuable, you have some kind of you, you understand what I'm saying? It's the same way with all of us, what we think is valuable. We want to fight to hold on to it. You don't let it go so quickly if it's valuable. I tell people, I say, you know, if you're having difficulty in your marriage, fight to hold on to your marriage. Because your marriage is valuable. I ain't going to say what the brother or the sister is. You understand what I'm saying? Because people tend to not value themselves sometimes. But you're holding on to a relationship. Are y'all grown? Where are my grown folks at this morning? I mean, come on now. Now, this is real life. You're holding on to a vow and a piece of paper sometimes. Because brother sometimes ain't with it and sister ain't either. Oh, Lord. That's what God did with us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. When we were at our worst, he gave us his best. Amen? And he expects the same thing out of us. He's holding on to us because we are the future of humanity. The church is the future of humanity. I don't care how many people make you feel bad about being a Christian, how many people put you down. Pick at you at work, they see you with a scripture in your front of your on your desk, and nobody can see it but you, and they'll have something nasty to say about it. Go report you to somebody, try to make you pull it down. If you want to read your Bible on your lunch hour, somebody's going to have something to say about that. You see, and so this faith that we have is valuable because it's fought over. You don't you don't have to do much for God, and the devil will raise his head up. 
you go to pray for somebody, you see somebody on the street or in the workplace and you want to take them aside and pray for them and see if 15 people don't come up and all of a sudden they like roaches coming in out of the, after a piece of meat come up out of the woodworks. It's true. The minute you make a move for God, you know, you'll see them start moving around. Devil gets stirred up in him. He starts moving them around. Because his faith is everything, folks. His faith is extremely valuable. People who are before us have paid a high price to hold on to it. Paid a high price to, to work in their faith and, and develop their faith and leave it for us as an inheritance for us. See, things like faith uh, 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 and abilities, these spiritual abilities and spiritual uh, opportunities are inherited in the earth. There are inheritance. Salvation didn't start when you got saved. It started with Adam and Eve. You understand what I'm saying? It started way back. And so God has been meeting people and saving people, introducing himself to people ever since people were created. And so that long line of people who have come before us are the people who have worked this faith and left this faith for us. And what is our generation going to have to show God for what we did while we were down here? Are we going to work our faith and leave a greater dimension of faith for the next generation? Huh? Or are we just going to sit around and wait and see if we can get a bill paid? Or wait and see if God's going to do something for us? Or wait and see if we're going to bring, bring me a man that's, you know, looking like something. And I don't want a man that's going to do this. And I don't want a woman that's going to do that. You know, uh-huh. See, we can do a lot of good things for God while we're sitting up waiting on him to not bring us certain things that we don't want. You know, it's, it's, that's a good way to not contend for the faith is waste your time not using it. See, God is not the God of the don't wants, I don't want this, I don't want, he's the God of faith. Faith says, God, I believe you have so and so for me and I'm putting my confidence out there and I'm asking you to bring it to me. I'm thanking you for it right now. Huh? See, we scared to do that. Huh? I'm, well, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go back to my room. See, y'all ain't grown enough this morning. Where Pastor Gigi at? She my help. She my help. She's got to help me out here with y'all. Y'all her chilling anyway, so praise the Lord. Oh, you're, you're all right. But you know what I'm talking about. We use our faith, you know, moonwalking, backpedaling. Huh? Oh, Lord bless me. I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want this. I don't. Your faith propels you forward and you backing up there from everything. Mm-hmm. He knows what you don't want. He's, he's trying to get you to understand what he has for you. This faith that's been delivered to us gets for us what God has for us. And if you trust God, you will pray a prayer that puts him in complete control of what comes into your life. You got me? Because you have no clue what's good for you. What your future may hold, who you would need to be committed to down the road, you have no clue. 
And so we have to totally trust God. And this faith that's been delivered to us allows us to totally trust God and be happy and content with that and not suspicious and fearful that he's going to give us something. We're going to get stuck with somebody we don't want and don't want us. You could do worse than that on your own. I mean, you got God in your life now. Why don't you look up and expect something better? Why don't you expect the right thing to come into your life? This faith allows you to have a high expectation of things to come. So you're not fearful about your future. You know you can totally trust God. You know, when you think about it, as a group of believers, most of us have been uh, part-time living with one another for some of us more than 20 years. And, and we haven't quit on each other. We haven't divorced each other. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So in God, it's totally possible to take people who don't know any, each other, have never met each other, and know their kin, know their brothers and sisters, know they have a love for each other, know they can trust one another. You can come up to anybody in here and tell them your hurt and your pain and your need and know that they will pray for you and believe the best for you and not put you down and go running off talking about you. And if they do, you know, shame on them. You know, nobody's that crazy anymore. You know, we've all been enough through enough difficulty. We don't laugh at one another's problems. We got much more sense than that. <laughs> And so we've been living with one another and trusting one another all these years. So that's enough evidence right there to let you know God can bring you a husband or a, a wife. That you can love you. At least live with on Saturday and Sunday. I don't know what y'all do Monday through Friday. huh? Anywho. But two days a week, that's a blessing right there. You can get with good, along with somebody for two good days. And all the married people said, that's right. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise God. So this word for delivered, this faith has been delivered. It was one time delivered to the saints. It's a common faith from a common Savior. It's a faith that has a history. It's a faith that has power with it, a faith that has a past. So when you think about having something having been delivered to you, when you got saved, your faith came to you as a total, complete package. It had been entrusted to you and personally imparted to you by God. And not just you, but every other believer is capable of believing the same things. And that's the blessing right there because it validates that God is no respecter of persons. It validates that God has a plan for everybody and it will work the same. Your faith will work the same for you that it does for anybody else. It will bring the same things in your life that it will bring to anybody else's life. This word delivered though, this was handed to you personally. That's what it means. That word delivered also means surrender. Which makes me think that somehow this faith was held hostage or in jeopardy or stolen 
And it had to be surrendered so it could be delivered to you. So it's a ransomed faith. This faith was precious enough that somebody wanted it so that you couldn't have it and took it from you. And then another person who was stronger than that strong man came and ransomed that faith and delivered it to you personally. The faith that was given to your forefathers. They worked this faith as much as they could and then they passed it off to the next generation. So it's like a baton. You work it in your generation and when you pass away, you pass it on to the next generation. That's why you beat your kids up to get them to church. That's why you drag them and make them sit beside you and make them stay awake and all the things that you do. Because even though you may not understand all that historically about faith, you know it's important for them to be there and to hear what's going on and to know these things. And so just in in those simple kinds of ways, the preciousness of this faith is established even in your heart. You know it's important. For your children to know God. You know it's important for them to obey God. To grow in their faith. To be able to use their faith for important things in their life. And everyday things in their life. That word delivered also means to yield up. This faith was given up to us. Was bound. And had to be released to us. The word for delivered means to commit. When something is committed, it does not stray everywhere. So this faith is committed only to us. We are the only ones on this earth who can use this faith. The saints are. It's not for the world. Now God can help anybody. He can bless anybody. He's good to everybody. But this faith that we have. Was delivered to us in such a package that it cannot be hijacked again. It was totally paid for. It cannot be bartered over. It can't be borrowed. It can't be used for somebody's convenience and then released. It has to be this first faith works by love. It works in a certain type of atmosphere, in a certain heart, in a certain type of believer. He said, earnestly contend for it. Don't be sloppy about this. Don't be half-hearted about this. Give it your best. Give it your all. Give it your life. Just like the one who gave it to you did. It cost Jesus his life to hand this faith to us. That's why Jude tells us to contend earnestly for it. Don't play around with this faith. Don't use this faith When you need something and then when somebody else needs something, you turn it off. Don't use this faith for your personal items. And then when God tells you you need to get on your knees because you don't love somebody or you can't tolerate somebody, you turn it off. This is you earnestly contend for this because the condition of your relationships is, is more important than condition of your finances. If relationships are right, finances straighten up. Well, you all know that. You know that when, you, when you're at peace with everybody and you are, go the extra mile to serve, even if you serve in the church. You know that when it's time for you, when there's a need, that need is very short 
of short duration, pretty soon it comes right in because you, your heart's right with all, all mankind. You're at peace with everybody. You're not against anybody. You're not striving with anybody. And so that all takes care of itself. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So you have nothing else to do after that. So simple. But it's so powerful and so profound. So to, to, um, to commit, that word commit to uh, delivered also means to be put in prison, to be imprisoned and shackled in. So this faith is locked up in the church. It's locked up in the heart of the saints of God. doesn't belong to anybody else. It comes out when we release it and only when we release it. It's not under anybody else's control. To be delivered also to be recommended. God recommends that we use our faith for everything. He said the just shall live by faith. There should be nothing that you want in your life that the faith of God does not bring into it. Faith really causes what we receive in life to be permanent, to be lasting, and to be locked up in our lives. See, if this faith is locked up inside the saints, what it brings in gets locked up inside your life too. So if, you, if God gives you a home, he means for it to stay locked up in your life. There's a way to hold on to it. Many times we don't look for for other means of getting success in things. We quit on it. That's why Jews said earnestly contend for it. Do this like you really mean it. Get in there like you really, really want to win. Get in there with God because he'll see to it that you come out victorious in it. Many times people get prophecies telling them God's going to do this, 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 and this. And they get started on it and it fizzled out and they say God never wanted them to have it. Well, that ain't true. Did you want it? Well, if you wanted it, God must want it for you. I mean, unless you all know what I'm talking about. He put it in your heart to desire it. And he's not a liar. And he's not somebody who wants to disappoint us. So there was a way in God to get victory and success in that thing. We were just too scared to ask him to show us where it was. I'm going to say it again. See, there is a place in God to get victory in everything, but we're too scared. See, we don't earnestly contend for it like we really want something. And we'd settle for defeat and for failure instead of going the extra step and stepping out there. See, most people's victory is just one more step away. They just get tired of the extra step. I was watching a show I like, uh, uh, White Collar Brawlers. <laughs> Ever see that? Esquire Network. Some old new stuff, you know. The, the old stuff has been seen so many times, I get sick of it, so I branch off these. But anyway, the story of this is that <clears throat> they'll find two guys that work maybe in the same company or something like that, and they are like rivals in life. There's a little contention already going on there, and they convince them, well, we'll, we'll sit you in a, a training situation, we'll train you, and we'll let you box it out in the ring and see who 
really wins. So they get professional boxers to train these people. It's a real gym. They go in there and they tell them what to do. They got to get out and run. You know, the whole thing that boxers do, you condition yourself and all of this. And so everybody's cool with the whole situation. You know, the training. Oh, I cut back on this. And oh, I took so many inches off my middle and I'm getting buff in there. And, you know, it's tightening up and all that. They get all suited up in there. Everybody's cool and gung-ho until they get in the ring. And they want to dance around and dance around, and they've been, you know, doing their little thing, punching the punching bag, and and, and, you know, and the trainer, his hands and got sore. He said, "Bam, bam, bam!" Tearing that trainer's hand up, but they put him in the ring with a real live other person who can hit him back, and that's when they go to backpedaling, stepping back, and huh? Because they know that once they throw that first punch, it's on, right? And there's no going back after that. You know, they only go like three rounds and they little midget rounds, you know, maybe like 30 seconds. I mean, they ain't long, you know, that kind of stuff. But, But, you know, oftentimes the guy who loses, the trainer would say, well, I noticed you started to fade uh-huh. In the, what, what, what inning in your hands started to drop? See, that's not earnestly contending for the faith that God gave us, folks. Cause this faith, if we stay in the ring and we throw another punch, this faith will get us over there to where we can keep our property. You can keep your children. You can keep your car. You can keep your whatever it is. If you just stay in there and keep your hands up, like you mean business with the devil, You can take that next step where you get over into the realm of victory. Sometimes it's only just a posture away. You know, just stay in that ring with your fist up and that brother won't hit you. He'll think you're ready. You understand what I'm saying? We're more of a threat because of our stance and our posture than we are because of anything else. Don't we say standing on the word of God, I'm going to stand on, I'm standing on, I'm standing, I'm standing. Your stance is where your deliverance will meet you. Your stance is where that other payment will meet you. Your stance is where the mercy will meet you. Your stance is where all that stuff will meet you. But see, if you hang your head, feel sorry for yourself. The devil come and punch you so hard. Punch you in the next month somewhere. And we do it because you start being scared of next month's payment in this month. This faith is not merely believing. But it has a certain kind. It has a certain brand to it. It's not ordinary natural faith. It doesn't work in the seen realm. This faith works in the unseen realm. Fear works in the seen realm. You have to fear certain things. You have to protect yourself naturally speaking. But when we talk about contending for this faith, you go over to the unseen realm. And that realm can totally take over the seen level. 
It's a higher realm of faith. It's a higher kind of faith. It commands more. It controls more. It does more for the believer. So it's not just merely believing. This is a faith in the invisible realm that can get so real to you that you care less about what's going on. The natural becomes more or less a distraction to you. It's kind of like, why would you mess me up? You know, why would you make me aware of what's really going on in real life? Because the faith that was delivered to the saints is totally in touch with God all the time. You have God's understanding of things. You have God's desire for the outcome. You have God's assurance for the outcome. You have God's everything for the outcome. See, I know as long as you stand and you don't let the devil convince you that the natural is more compelling, needs more attention, and the natural certainly isn't going to go downhill, as long as you take that stance, you'll be able to withstand anything. And I don't fear the government trying to make me marry two gay people or two lesbian people. I don't have any kind of concern about that whatsoever. None whatsoever. Where I see there are a lot of churches that are now, you know, having to get all these petitions together and God bless them. That's what they have to do. But I have a different sense about it. That I've already talked to God about what I should do if anybody tries to get me to go back on my word to him. I already know what I have to do. And so it doesn't concern me at all. All these things that kind of pop up in the news all the time and people just chatter. Christians want to talk about it all the time. Nobody's praying. Everybody's talking about stuff. See, this faith was delivered to saints that had a whole lot more trouble out of the world than you know, I haven't been thrown into a den alliance. Huh? But I know that this faith that has been delivered to me personally by a Savior who gave his life for me, I know this faith will withstand me through that and or get me to heaven. Either one. You got me? So I have no concern about those kinds of things because that faith keeps me in a place where those things are mere distractions to me. My focus is on where is God taking me? What does he want me to do with what he's given me responsibility for? And for me to be effective doing that. You can't be effective doing what God called you to do if you're always worried about what the next devil is going to come up with. You understand? You, you can't live a life of faith. That's not faith, folks. And so when we talk about contending for this faith. This faith is a different brand of faith. It's in the invisible realm. It's worth contending earnestly for. And we have to be sincere and dedicated in our contention over it. We have a sense that this faith is valuable. It was surrendered to us as though a ransom has been paid for it. We said that. It has been fought over and war waged over it because of it. In Revelations 12, you'll see that. Revelations 12, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. And they prevailed not. Because of the faith. That they fought under because of the Lord over them. 
the dragon prevailed not. So your faith, the faith that you and I have in this year 2014, has a sense that the dragon can't prevail over it. See, there's no reason to fear anything because if you are in this faith that was delivered to us, you already have a sense that the dragon can't prevail over it. The devil can't prevail. Creditors can't prevail. Uh, Bad people in your child's life, bad influences can't prevail. You understand? Nothing can prevail over this faith because if you use this faith and live in this faith on a daily basis, you have such a hedge around you. Remember Job? The devil told God. He said, you... You put a hand. I can't do anything with him. You need to know that that's the report about you. The faith that we have is more real than what Job had. He was working to his the best he could, but it was faith in God. He had what was available at the time. We have not only what he had. See, if you look at Job, he had to recoup after he lost. But he got double. You can keep the hedge up and not lose. Huh? Amen. Because of this faith that we have, it's, it's added to from what Job had. And it's a higher understanding of God. There's more history with it. We can rely on our faith because you can look in the Bible and see what it has done for people for centuries. And so you have a, a, a testimony there with yours that he did not have. So you know how to put the hedge up and leave the hedge up. You know how to pray for your children and get them rounded up under God so that they don't wiggle out and squeeze out under the, the hedges and through the cracks anywhere. You know how to do that. We've known people who have done that. And so this faith is worth holding on to because of the history that's behind it because of what it's capable of doing that we know it's capable of doing and this is no fairy tale when it starts to register on the inside of you there's a deposit there that you know that faith is for you that if you had to step into that person's place and do exactly what they have to do this faith will work for you that's what we know and so when you know that this is is what you have inherited in God then you know it's worth holding on to So this faith causes wars, but it will win every war. This faith allows people of a violent attitude to use it. So this faith is not for the weak, wimpy. This faith is for the violent. For the people who will go and see wrong and seize the wrong out of a situation and make it right. And don't stop until it's right according to what God wants it to be right. See, there's right and there's right. We want it to be right according to what God wants. People say prophets tend to just beat something to death until it's get every wrinkle out of everything (laughs) and it may be right 
you know, some people may say, well, well, it's okay like it is. No, I see it. That's the way God is. See, once you ask him for something, he keeps pushing you and spurring you and exhorting you. Get back in there. This is for you. Hit the devil another blow. This is for you. His faith is for violent people. It's not for scaredy cats. It's not, you know, you can't. The little lady, Miriam Ibrahim, she's a violent woman. She's very peaceful, very sweet woman. But see, the violence occurred when she refused to renounce her Lord. Nice people will just do whatever they need to do to survive or get along. But because she's a violent person spiritually, she said no. Two letters got her in trouble. And as long as she held on to her no, God held on to her. Because of this faith. She wasn't just saying no arrogantly and I'm better than they are and who do they think they are and do they know I'm a child of God but she said no because she knew her savior was worth more than what they were saying Hebrews 11 if you'll turn there I'll go through a couple more examples for us Hebrews 11.3, it says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So, you know, you don't have to argue with people who tell you, you know, God didn't create anything. and They believe in evolution. You know what you believe. See, there's a knowing that comes with our faith. It's not just wishing, hoping kind of thing. But there's a knowing. When you know something, all arguments against it are stopped. See, that's what knowledge does. It's a, it's a, a determination and it's a one-time decision where you've settled in on something. Where you, there's a knowing there. So we get this knowledge by faith. So our faith has intelligence. It's not a bunch of illiterate people who don't know any better than to trust God. There's a knowing here in us. Once God, once you see in the book of Genesis that God created the whole world and you set your belief on it, then you know that. And if somebody were to come up to you and try to tell you something different, you could give them an answer that would make them shrink down. See, we don't need to be afraid or or any of this stuff about what so-called intellectual people will say to us. Like you, you you don't qualify to be breathing the same air with them because you don't have their education and all this. Oh, no, 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 no. We know more. You have probably forgotten and put aside more than the the average sinner will ever know. Amen. That's got PhDs and DDTs and ABCDEFGs. See, because there's a faith knowing. 
everything, every time you decide to believe God's word, that's translated into a knowledge inside of you. Which is called up at the time of need. So it's not running around in your head all the time. you got more important things to do than just keep a bunch of facts in there. The Holy Spirit brings them to your remembrance as they're needed. People will ask you things, you know, you'll sit down and talk to you and, and say, well, you know, I have a problem with this and that and the other. And, and I've noticed people sometimes when saints talk to them, they're like, oh, how do you know that? How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you? By faith we know. See, all you have to tell them is I believe God. You know, oh, you mean just, just being a Christian? No, you have to believe God. But by faith we know these things. You know how the earth was created. Do you know there are people who have spent millions and billions of dollars and years of education trying to say God didn't create the earth? And we know it already. We know he created it. For years they thought the earth was flat. It's been in the Bible forever. God rests his feet on the circle of the earth. All somebody had to do, some smart person had to do was read their Bible and they could see the earth was running. And believe it. People have forever wanted to find out the components of blood and how uh, people are, are, you know, what's in blood. And now we found out that in the bone marrow is the essence of life. You find all the cells concentrated there. And it's taken them thousands of years to figure that out. In the third chapter of Genesis, it says, God took a rib out of the man. So bone marrow transplant, that's been done already. They, they kicking it like it's all that and charge you all kind of money for it. But it's been done already by God. And you understand? By faith we know, folks. We have more knowledge than we'll ever use and ever need in a lifetime. Just when we believe the word of God. There's a knowing in God's word. You believe God's word, you know everything. The Bible says that. It says we have an unction from the Holy One. That means we have a prompting, an anointing. Many of us don't even know how to describe what unction is, but we know we got it. And he says, and you know all things. Oh my, you mean that unction? Yeah, that unction knows everything. And if you trust the unction more than you trust your papers and your, you know, whatever you're trying to get that man has. All them dope smokers and fornicators and how them people going to be smart at all to try to teach you. And you better follow your kids at college if you can. Huh? Don't let them get out there and let them people turn them stupid. Contend for this faith. Fight for it. Fight to help them to hold on to it when they get in these situations. So faith brings understanding of the invisible realm. By faith we know the worlds were framed by the word of God. Everything was structured and put together by the word of God. He allows man to do the fill in. We multiply and replenish the earth. But this earth was framed by the word of God. He allows us to be ruler and Lord over the earth. The fact that we have this knowledge is beyond human understanding. This is a knowledge that God brings to us. 
Many people don't know what they believe about the world and how it was framed. Without this faith that was delivered to us, they will never know. So it's up to us to share this revelation and understanding with people who are open to receive it. So that's why you see people like the ones at the Creation Museum. Trying to get people to understand the, the answers are in the book of Genesis. All the answers that per, perplex people are right there in that book that you can understand about creation. And so it's up to us to make sure that we hold on to this faith so we have an answer for people. <clears throat> people until they get faith, which brings enlightenment, will dwell in darkness and continue debating and contending with one another about the basic knowledge of God's creation. But the saints already have it settled and have an understanding and a knowledge of these things. Hebrews 11.5, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. So in other words, his wife got up to call him to breakfast and he wasn't there. They waited a couple days to see if he'd come back and he never showed up anymore in this realm. Why? And it says, because God translated him for this reason. Before his translation, he has this testimony that he pleased God. How did he please God? By having faith in him, walking with him, having confidence in him. Huh? I'm going to ask you, what's in your faith wallet? Are you pleasing to God? You could be missing at any time. Huh? See, in Enoch's day, it was kind of rare. It was difficult for people to please God. But we please him all the time. You get up every morning and you thank him for, for your day. You start addressing him Before you get started, you go out with God on your mind and and using your faith just from minute to minute throughout your day, you please God. So you could take off and leave here at any time. See, everybody got quiet then and y'all don't want to go nowhere. He ain't taking you if you still want to be here. But see, Enoch had a very unusual testimony for a man of his time. He pleased God. Everybody else was sinning, doing what they wanted to do. And God made a decision one day. He says, well, Enoch, you're one of the few people down here that please me. I guess I'll take you home with me so you don't have to stay down here in this sinful world. See, in the covenant we have now, we have divine protection. We can walk in the spirit. That's the same thing Enoch did. We walk in the spirit with God because we have a better covenant than he had based on better promises. So don't nobody get scared and go out here and not want to do nothing for God because you're scared he's going to take you. You ain't going nowhere. Man, as carnal minded and crazy as we are. Y'all, we ain't none of us, me included. We ain't going nowhere. I've never been afraid of leaving here because I'm so close to God. I'm trying to... Be better closer to him so I can do more good down here. See, that's when you can do some things for God is when you walk close with him. Certain healing ministers 
walk close with God. Did Smith Wigglesworth kept a pocket Bible with him that he referred to continually throughout the day. When you get like that, maybe you got a chance of leaving, but he stayed here too. You got me? And so there are some things that we are left here to do. You can please God with your faith and do more for him here because he has a different work for his people to do now. Right now, the cloud of witnesses in heaven is cheering us on to see more souls brought into the kingdom, to make disciples of men to help straighten out a lot of confusion about Christianity. There's much work to be done down here. So don't get nervous. You ain't going nowhere. Just keep trying to please God. You know, them few little lucid holy days we have where we feel close to him. Let's do more of that so we can be better able to do what God wants us to do. The faith that we have that's been delivered to the saints causes an attraction to God. And it causes us to be attractive to other people in a God kind of way. People will be drawn to us when we live in this faith. They will be totally drawn to us. In the Bible it talks about in the book of Acts, the, 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 when they preached, they preached in such a way that the people couldn't resist. They couldn't argue against it. They couldn't gainsay. In other words, they couldn't make an argument that would help them win this argument, nor could they resist. So they had to fall on their knees and repent and receive the Lord. You understand me? So this is this is the kind of faith that we have. You know, many times we'll feel this uh, uh, rejection thing. What did I do wrong? Or, you know, if you witness to somebody and, you know, maybe they don't receive God or maybe they get angry or. You know, you get rejected by the umpteenth time by Uncle Buck that won't come to church with you. You know what I'm saying. Sometimes we take it personally, like we did something wrong. This faith is so perfect that you can never do anything wrong when you step out in confidence in God. See, you can want to do the right thing. Do you realize that there are times I've had conversations with people and they've told me later what I said and I don't remember it? Sometimes what you think you said, what you think you did, God took it and turned it so that that person heard it differently. You got me? See, this faith makes us totally trustworthy. Do you hear what I said? Don't ever be afraid to step out in it because it makes you totally trustworthy. Don't be afraid to share Christ with people. Because he is able to help you to form the words to say that need to be said. You can trust this faith, folks. You can step out in it. It's been tried every which way and it comes up victorious every single time. Our biggest fault is we don't step out in it often enough. We don't get out and try the strength of it. Try the results of it in our lives. Mostly we're just trying anyway. We try to act like we know what we're doing. But we really don't. We're trying. Amen. We're stepping out. See if God's with us. And and you'll only know if he's with you if you step out toward what it is that you're asking for. So this faith that was delivered us caused Enoch to walk with God, not with man. This is where the problem is. 
He walked with God, not with man. See, there was he didn't live in the day and age where you could walk with man and live very long. And it's the same with us in any age that we live. The preference is to walk with God and not man. Man. You walk with God and the the people God wants to draw to you are drawn to you because of your walk with God and they fit in. You all fit in together. But if you drop God's hand and go off and walk with man, then your faith won't work. You're not in the faith of God. And then you go and try to do something and say God's with you and it fails. This faith knows how to bring the right company around it. The Bible talks about people of like precious faith. Not cheap stuff. Precious faith. People who feel that God's uh, uh, all that there is. And they want to live for him. And they want to serve him. That's like precious faith. You don't want to be around people, hypocrites that act, try to act right around God's people. And then get stupid when they're not looking. You don't want that. Yeah. You want the real thing. You want the, the Enoch brand of faith. You want the Abraham brand of faith. Amen. This faith that we have in this dispensation causes us to be content living here, but our heart is not here. You can be content, but you know this is not your home. You, that's why you're not desperate for everything that comes along, because you know that there's more to it than this. You're just, you're just on loan down here, and you know that. It causes us to be in the world, but not of the world. So we don't desire the world's goods. We don't desire the world's things. We desire to be with God. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is. you got to believe that God's alive. Whether it makes you nervous or makes you happy, you got to know he's, he exists. He's alive. He can do something. He can talk to you. He can, all these things. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That if you will, will contend for the faith, if you'll be earnest about it, God will reward you. He won't leave you. See, long after most people have given up, you'll still be in there. See, that's what it means to earnestly contend for the faith. You'll find people around you getting uh, disgruntled and uh, giving up and, you know, wanting to do this and do that so we can get this done and that done and all this kind of crazy ideas. And you're still, you know what, I don't think God's told me to do anything different yet. Just going to keep doing (laughs) what I'm doing. It causes you to to have an awareness that you're on the right road no matter. You know, Elijah and Elisha. Now, Elisha was called into service uh, during the, the final years of Elijah's life. Elijah was, uh, you know, getting older. He had fought Jezebel and Ahab. You know, he hidden from from wicked people, and you know, he's just 
rough, man. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a, uh, uh, Madam Cleo, you know, call this number and send me the love gift, darling, and I give you prophecy. You know, it ain't that kind of stuff. These were hard lives because you were prophets for God. You had to tell the truth all the time. But Elisha, when he was called into service, he served the man of God. They, they laughed at him about it. They said he poured water over Elijah's hands. You understand what I'm saying? You imagine an elderly man of God who needs help just taking care of himself. And that's what Elisha did for him. You understand? So he, his faith, Elisha's faith was a, of a different brand than the 50 sons of the prophets that followed uh, across the river. And they could look over there and see him and point at him and make it fun of him. That old man's getting ready. Don't you know he's getting ready to leave you pretty soon? Well, anybody could know that because he's probably old and elderly now. You know, you don't have, that ain't a word of knowledge. Because you know somebody old enough to die. And so Elisha said, I don't care. He says, as my God lives, he said, I'm not going to depart from him. He said, because the faith that he has is worth contending over. It's worth contending over. And see, if hanging on to some old preacher is the only way you're going to get it, then that's the only way you're going to get it. So you're going to fight to hold on to the, he's given all of his life so far in service to God. He has a faith now that sees him doing twice as much as this man of God. You know, if Elijah had asked for the double portion, he could have stayed here longer. That's a thought, okay, for those of you who <laughs> think God's limited. Here's a thought. Because it took twice as much power in the next generation to serve God as it did in his generation. Elisha knew it. Your kids, you need to be double, triple hard on them. Don't let them have it easy. Because, listen, when you see all the people that in this generation have taken their paychecks and pledged money and built buildings to churches because they love God. And you see gay people walking down the aisles getting married. You're going to say somebody should have asked for a double portion of that spirit. That was on that little lady, that, that little Muslim Christian lady that they tried to get. They need her double portion of what she got. They need a, a foreign flavor of faith. Because you're going to see some well-known preachers telling you it's okay. Because they're doing it now. They're going to be telling you it's okay. So this faith causes us to want to please God. And to know that we please. We have to believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We need to know we can please God and not be ashamed of it. We can please God and not be insecure about how he feels about us. You don't have to ask him every five minutes, am I doing this right, God? Faith, there's a knowing of your faith when you please God. Causes us to be reassured about ourselves and our position in the earth. This faith does that. It is our righteousness. And we know that we are pleasing to God. Hebrews 11, chapter 7, it says, By faith, Noah, 
being warned of God. Number one, your faith must make you know God's voice. Must make you know God's voice. God can speak to anybody, but to follow through on it and know it's God. you got to mix that with faith. No more something told me or I got an impression to do something. You know the voice of God. Not be ashamed to say it's the voice of God. You understand me? We know that by faith. And he says he was warned of things not yet seen. Woo! Talk about being in the minority. See, those of us who are saying no to uh, all this political correctness and stuff like that, we're already warned of God of things that we don't see. We know what's coming down the line. So he's telling us, you stay on my side of the line now. And when you see all these crazy people jumping over, you'll already be on the right side. You'll be over in the ark of safety. And that's what he, that's what you do. When you are warned in advance of trouble that's coming, you build an ark so you can be saved. You build yourself strong on the word. You build yourself strong in your faith. You don't go back in your faith. And he says he was warned, he was moved with fear. He said, you know what, I believe this. I believe something that's coming. And I better prepare for it. Now it's a spiritual thing. And just let me say this while I'm saying it. These people who are telling you, these Christians who are telling you to buy all this evaporated food so you can go in a bomb shelter and put some water. See, they ain't even going to wait. When, when the doom hits, they ain't going to want to eat that stuff they sell. They're going to be trying them cell phones and see. I'm, I'm holding for pizza. You know, that's what they're going to be on Domino's. They ain't going to want to eat this. They say, is this the stuff we told everybody to buy? And we made so much money off of selling it. See, we're warned of things. We're moved with fear. And we obey what God tells us to do. You build your ark of obedience to God. You build your ark. You keep coming to church. You build your ark. You keep praying. You build your ark. You keep passing out bread and praying for people you build your ark you keep doing what god put in your heart to do you keep sharing christ with people you keep praying for the sick you keep doing that see and you'll be in the ark of safety already huh and the waters can come up as high as they want to and you will float huh long as you stay afloat and wait for god's deliverance that's what you want folks so we know that we can please god but these, he was moved by fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his household. Anybody else you can, can grab in there. But that's all God let him save. But that's enough. It was enough to, to start the whole human race over again. He says, and when he did this, now not by what he said he was going to do and not by what he kept talking about God was going to do. But it says he built something. It says he set his hand to something. Faith is an action. There's a corresponding action to your faith. So when he started building that thing, and people got a chance to see what it was that he said was going to save him, the Bible says he condemned everybody alive in the world at that time just by keeping adding planks to it. 
And how hard it is to keep adding planks to something. I don't know if anybody lives with a tinkerer in their midst. But tinkerers always find some new project that they, that ain't hard to do. You understand what I'm saying? And people coming by seeing that thing probably thought it wasn't much. And they laughed at him. And he did not say, I curse you in Jesus' name. Or I curse you in the name of thy God. He just kept putting planks in there. He just kept a building, kept a building, kept a building. And the more people that looked at him and laughed died in that flood. Everybody in the whole world except who was in his house drowned to death. The Bible says with his faith just building and putting hammers and whatever dowels or whatever they put in there. Hold that thing together and putting pitch in the bottom of it. Every time he made a stroke toward it somebody else drowned. He didn't lay a glove on nobody. He didn't speak nothing ill over anybody. He simply believed God and was moved with fear and did what God told him. He kept building. See, there will be a time when we can speak to people and we can offer them into the ark. But then there's a time you can't do that anymore because you're intense on keeping building. Just got to keep building. Got to keep building. Got to keep building. They had their chance. But you got to keep building. See, you would like to go out and preach to them, but you got to keep building. You would like to be able to pray another prayer for them, but you got to keep building. You understand what I'm saying? And as you build, and as you believe God, you execute what God's told you to do. When everybody was in that God wanted in, who closed that door? Got it? When he shuts it, it shut. Huh? No man, he, no, you would see nobody trying to pry that door, but they was trying to get in there. But God didn't say, oh, you poor thing. I know you wanted to believe me, but you were scared. Huh? Bloop, 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 bloop. What happened to all of them? You laugh at the man and the woman of God that are preaching God's word, that are living holy and living right and not compromising, not wavering. You, pre- you laugh at people like them. There will come a day when the, the door shut. Because God shut it. Not the mean Christians who think they better than them. No, uh-uh. You can't blame this on us this time. God shut that door. And he knew what he was doing when he shut it. He created every being that's out there mocking and making fun of people who are being obedient to him. And he shut the door on them anyway. And I deal with God on that. It says when he did that, he built the ark to the saving of his house. He passed judgment on the whole world. His faith passed. This faith that has been delivered to us passes judgment on the world. That's why gay people are mad. They're being judged already by us living right by faith. I don't know anybody gay that I've ever picked at. You understand me? But I know that they're ticked off at us because we have passed judgment on them because we live for God. Your right living is causing a lot of people to be upset with you. huh? 
it's causing other Christians to be upset with you. It's causing Christians who are scared because they don't want their tax exempt whatever that is. I mean, we got one. You know what I'm saying. But it ain't, that ain't why I'm here. I'd be here if we didn't have it. I don't know if y'all would be, but I would. You understand what I'm saying? People make a big deal out of nothing. God saved me before I had a 501c3. I mean, and he got that for me because he told me we needed to get it. You understand what I'm saying? We do things by the book. We give Caesar what's his. But this faith is very powerful that way, folks. You don't have to try to, to provoke anybody. You don't have to rub nobody wrong way on purpose. Your living right does that. Huh? Your living right does that. The righteousness that comes with this faith passes judgment automatically on anybody who's against it, not in it, trying to live above it, trying to run away from it. They all get judgment passed on them. Because this faith was delivered to us and there's a cloud of witnesses that attest to everything that's done according to that faith. See, when you use that faith, they're encouraged because they know they're just that much closer to when the Lord can come for everybody. And we'll all be united in the Lord. Amen. And so this faith, folks, is something that has been delivered to us through much trial, much sacrifice to help us and protect us, keep us close to God, keep us happy and encouraged and productive. You know, when your faith is, your confidence is low and things aren't going the way you want, you want to, something about this faith springs inside of you and says, hey, wait a minute, there's much, we ain't working that over there today because that ain't working for you right now. But there's a lot of stuff we can do with our faith. Let's get going, you know. So it's worth it, folks, to contend for it. Not wrestling against flesh and blood. But step out there and obey God. Put the next nail in the hammer, you know, nailed to the hammer that he has you building. Pray the next prayer. Believe for the next soul to come up in the supermarket and pray for somebody, or witness to somebody. You understand what I'm saying? It's worth it. It it has to be fought over. Yesterday when we were in the restaurant, I was <clears throat> trying to, I don't know what I was trying to do. You know, you like a little zombie walking around there trying to be normal. And, you know, I was thinking about, let's go. Do another healing school right now. If my body would let me, you know. But I come down and I'm up and I'm down. And so the little girl, the little waitress was, I wasn't really mad at her. I just felt like, you know, I could bite you and you would hurt real bad. But I'm just going to talk to you and see if I can. I just didn't know where the conversation was going. And then then Nola, when she went back to talk to the manager to make sure I could get my pastrami, which I gave half of it to Coco, you know, she smell my purse and she smells everything she knows when there's meat somewhere you know my pastrami which i delivered to my dog but uh you know nola found out to talk to the the manager said this i'm not making excuses for her but and see then you know the reason you know so we could have let her go condemned and on the wrong side of god's people or you invite them in you understand when the doors open for you to invite them in, you invite them in. And so she was a see, and I've never had cancer. Don't plan on getting it. Don't ever want to get it. But what I've had in life has been bad enough. And so 
<clears throat> she needed somebody to hug her. She needed somebody to pray for her. She needed somebody to let her know that she's not alone in this. You understand what I'm saying? And the devil will fight you to try to get you over wrestling with flesh and blood and being mad at people. Thank God he taught me. He taught me how to forgive instantly and not held grudges against people. And I go report her to the manager, try to get her fired, and all this kind of nonsense. You understand what I'm saying? You're a merciful person. And so these things, folks, you're contending so that you can have something to offer somebody like that. And step over the devil's power that's trying to keep you fighting in the natural against people. And understand that there's somebody in there, there's a soul in there. And I think I have something of God, you know, that will help them. And that's how we contend, folks. That's why we're here. To offer that drowning person a lifeline, to offer that thirsty person a cup of water, to offer that hungry person a piece of bread. That's why we're here. That's what this faith causes us to do. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Lord, we thank you for giving us understanding why we're here. What are we doing? We're doing something. For you. We know what we're doing, Lord. By faith, we know these things. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to know that it's okay to earnestly contend for what you've given us. It's worth the fight. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Praise God.